Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. Father Peter Stravinskis has joined us a few times before here on the podcast. He is founder uh, several years back of The Catholic Answer and also founder of The Catholic Response. He is also president of something called the Catholic Education Foundation. Today we are going to talk about a new association that he has formed. He sees a great need for it and he's going to fill us in. Father Stravinskis, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Good. Pleasure to be with you, Mark. Um, and... Um, it's particularly fortuitous to be um, doing this podcast during Catholic Schools Week, and um, <laughs> and uh, so uh, as you indicated, uh, I'm the president of the Catholic Education Foundation, and as you know, every summer we've been having a an institute for priests and seminarians and bishops on the role of the priest in in the school, and one of the outgrowths of those summer sessions has been a, um, I should even say, a demand for some kind of an association for priests who are involved in uh, full-time high school work. And um, uh, the uh, the role of the priest, as we've discussed in the past, is probably more important today than it was even 50 years ago in Catholic schools, uh, particularly with the, the exodus uh, or the hemorrhaging of, of nuns from the schools uh, over the past 50 year period. Uh, last summer during our institute, uh, almost all of the young priests present had gone to 12 years of Catholic school, but amazingly, not one of them had ever had a nun. Not one? Not one, not one. Uh, all right, and, Father, Father Stravinskis, I, I have to just stop, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going, but this is, you, since you bring it up, what happened to all the nuns? Give give us a history lesson in where did all the nuns in the schools go? Because my my parents both grew up all through Catholic schools, and the nuns were just an important force in Absolutely. in their lives. Absolutely, I would be nothing today if it weren't for the sisters. Uh, I received from the sisters not only my priestly vocation but my faith because my parents weren't practicing Catholics when they put me in Catholic school. And, uh, and it was by a process of what I like to call reverse evangelization. The sisters gave me the faith and I brought the faith to my parents. Um, and, uh, but uh, the greatness of the church in the United States historically was not the work of priests. It was the work of the sisters. And, uh, and they were loved, they were respected, uh, 
and uh, and be well beyond the Catholic community. Uh, and uh, and then by some kind of bizarre work of collective suicide, they just went down a path of uh, self-destruction and, uh, you know, getting rid of the habit, moving out of convents, abandoning the schools. And uh, one community did it, another one did it, and another one did it. And uh, so you're left with a handful of communities that didn't kill themselves. And interestingly enough, they're doing beautifully for vocations. And then there are some new communities of sisters that have formed, thank God. But it's going to be a while before they get themselves into the position of uh, of running our institutions and, and being a, a strong, visible presence. So um, it's that's why, as I say, uh, at the local level, uh, the role of the priest is so important uh, because you need some kind of visible institutional presence of the church. Uh, Cardinal Newman made a very interesting point in one of his university lectures about the Inquisition. And, you know, we always hear all these uh, horror stories about the Inquisition, but he makes the point that the Inquisition went haywire precisely when the church ceded control of it to the state. And uh, the lack of a clerical presence, a moderating influence, and uh, and the role of the priest in the, in the school, whether that's at the grammar school level or the high school level, um, is not simply a, a kind of a watchdog for orthodoxy, but a very strong visible sign of the, of the love and the concern of the church for her her children, and uh, and so. Uh, but most young priests who are involved in high school work are sort of dropped into it. Um, you, Father, you, you know, Father Stravinskis, you mentioned this phenomenon of reverse evangelization. Is that so uncommon? You know, parents who may have been grown up Catholic, maybe they slipped away from the church in their 20s and 30s, uh, you know, bills to pay, working all the time. They have kids, and when the kids come along, it is the kids thinking about the, the, the kids' upbringing. Do the yep. kids bring a lot of them back to the church? Yep. And that often the school might be one of the instruments that makes that happen. The Catholic yes. school. Well, there's, there's no question about that. And one of the few upsides of the pandemic uh, that has been very, very uh, uh, clear in the Catholic scheme of things is, uh, as you well know, for the most part, Catholic schools didn't follow the stupidity of the government schools with the lockdowns and everything else. And, and Catholic uh, schools, many, many places, experienced a surge of enrollment, a real boom. And uh, I mean, the Archdiocese of Boston last year, for example, added 4,000 new kids into the system. Wow. Uh, and, uh, but uh, one of the things that you find, have found rather, is that those parents who put their kids into Catholic schools at that point, not necessarily for the most noble reasons, but to escape the lunacy in the government sector, uh, discovered a few things. Uh, number one, they couldn't believe how cheap the schools really are. The average Catholic grade school in the country is $5,000 a kid, huh. which you couldn't hire a babysitter for. Um, and, uh, and they have said, we never knew what we were missing. 
And uh, one pastor in, in Florida told me uh, he has a large school. He has 700 kids in the grade school. Uh, but he was able to take in 16 families uh, last spring, and uh, which came to something like 50 additional children. And of those 16 families, he had to play catch-up ball sacramentally with every one of those kids, either had not made first penance or first communion or confirmation. And of those 16 families, four marriage convalidations. Hmm. Uh, well, look, so, this is, this is uh, I, I mean, in a way, you know, let us rejoice over those who are <laughs> who have strayed but come back. Right. I mean, uh, this is almost a happier story than than being fully committed Catholics 100 percent all the way in. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's one of the points that we have to be be very well aware of. And but that's also the point I make to pastors and bishops who may not be too enthusiastic about our schools to say, hey, listen, uh, first of all, (laughs) without the schools, we're finished. And uh, and 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 even, for example, uh, reformed Jews who were never great into the school business historically. The Orthodox Jews have always been, but the reformed Jews over the past 20, 30 years have come to the realization that without Hebrew day schools, reformed Judaism is also finished. Um, whereas the early bishops in the United States knew, um, if you have the kids, you have a future. You don't have kids, you have no future. Uh, and, uh, at any rate, back to the issue of, of, of young priests being, uh, as I say, dropped into high school work. Um, the, uh, the rector of the high school seminary in Brooklyn, uh, Father James Caroli, great, great priest educator, uh, jokes that several years ago when he was asked by uh, the diocese, would he consider going into high school work? And he said, sure. And he got into the building on a Monday, and on Tuesday, the chairman of the department said, now, Father, by the way, your uh, lesson plans are due on Friday. And he said, what's a lesson plan? Uh, because there's no no real training in the system. Uh, there used to be, but that all fell by the wayside. And so we are uh, assembling this new group, which we're calling the the Priestly Society of Christ, Priest, and Teacher, uh, and so far have gotten a very good response from, again, mostly young priests uh, who are committed to the schools, uh, who know the importance of them, but also need uh, some kind of a support system. Uh, It was not uncommon in the old days that you would have, you know, several priests in a high school. And so there was, again, a kind of a a natural process of integration into the system. Uh, In most situations today, it's, if there is a priest, it's one. And, uh, and so we hope that we'll be able, it'll be a kind of an online community. So uh, Father Joe encounters a a pastoral problem that he doesn't know quite how to handle. Uh, He can contact our team uh, who can give him advice, but we're also looking at having an annual retreat for high school priests. Um, very often, in, in, in most instances, in a diocese where they have priest retreats, they're during the school year, and uh, number one, and so that's inconvenient 
for a priest teacher. Uh, he really shouldn't be absent for a week of school. Uh, but also, uh, he doesn't have that much in common with the other priests, 90% of whom, 95% of whom, are involved in parish work. Um, he's in a unique apostolate. And so, uh, again, we're looking at this. Um, Bishop Thomas Daly, who is the uh, Bishop of Spokane, but uh, the new chairman of the Bishop's Committee in, uh, in Washington on Catholic Schools, uh, has been very, very supportive of this idea, uh, largely because he himself, before becoming a bishop, was a, uh, a, t a high school teacher and principal uh, for uh, almost 20 years. And uh, so he understands the phenomenon, the importance uh, of this kind of thing. So we're hoping that, uh, that this is able to take off if, if uh, any people listening know of priests involved in high school work, uh, point them in our direction. Any priests listening, um, give us uh, a, a ring uh, so we can be reached at uh, uh, F. Stravinskis, my last name, S-T-R-A-V-I-N-S-K-A-S at hotmail.com. And uh, we'll be able to give uh, more detailed information uh, about this, this new association. Who, who would be eligible to be involved to come into your work? Any priest who's currently involved in, in high school work or... Or wanting to be. Or wants to be, yeah. Okay. Or, wants to be. or seminarians. Um, there have been some uh, very, very uh, good initiatives of getting uh, seminarians involved in high school work. Uh, there was a, a very fine program for the, the college seminarians uh, at, in Douglaston, New York, uh, who are involved with St. Anthony's High School on Long Island. So four college seminarians, in other words, 18 to 21 or so, um, working with, with high school students in a variety of capacities, very, very successful program. And, uh, but also it introduces these young priesthood candidates to the important work of uh, ministering in high schools. And, and what are the things, and, you know, and what can a priest do in a high school? Let's pause for a moment to ask if you are looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Well, this, this was going to be my, my next question. I mean, in... in the, 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 my son was in a, a Catholic school when he was in, in third, fourth grade in Atlanta. It was, it was a pretty good school, but the principal was actually a retired public school principal who really did not seem very Catholic. I mean, I, I, don't make, I, I mean in, his, in his school work, in his public presentation, the, the, the Catholic identity wasn't much there. I'm, I'm not saying anything about him in his, in his private life, but... Uh, how much, if you, if you look at the average Catholic high school, maybe, 
How much influence does the priest have over, over the curriculum and administration of that high school? Typically, what, what have you seen? Well, it depends. Um, you know, in, in some ways, you know, everybody thinks of the Catholic Church as this great monolith. And so everywhere you go, everything is the same and so forth. That's not true. I mean, first of all, there are any number of governance models for a Catholic high school. Uh, the high school that I went to was and still is a parish high school. And in that instance, the pastor has an awful lot to say about what goes on in the school. Uh, you have uh, a, a regional uh, high school, a diocesan high school, a high school founded by a religious order of either men or women, uh, or uh, a school started by lay people. And, and so all of these are very, very different configurations. And, and it also influences how much influence any one individual has over, as you say, curriculum or overall identity and, and things of that nature. Um, but I would say the first thing that's obviously critically important is for the presence of a priest full-time huh, as chaplain to the school. Um, and, uh, and unfortunately, in many situations today, uh, bishops who have been very, very short-sighted don't have full-time uh, chaplains in the schools. And so what happens is you have a priest who's kind of like a, a rent-a-priest. So uh, we're going to have a mass, and so we need a priest. Or we're going to have a penance service during Advent or Lent, and we need a priest to hear confessions. Uh, or we're going to have a class day of recollection. And, and it's an ad hoc kind of thing. And, and the priest has no real relationship with the kids. Uh, and, and in many instances, it's not even the same priest who's brought in uh, for all of these events. Uh, so, but if he is, he's kind of external to the life of the school. He doesn't really know what goes on in the school. The, so I do. And you, you know, you're, you're not gonna have that reverse evangelization process going on if, if you've got sort of a, a priest who's just kind of a, a marginal fixture. In, in the life of the school, yeah. or I mean, or if if you've got a curriculum in the school which is really a public school curriculum and there's a theology class added to right. it, right? Right. No, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, you mentioned about your son's grammar school principal, you know, coming from the public system. Um, we have to be very careful with this. Um, and uh, you know, sometimes people say, "Oh, wow, he's had 25 years of experience as a public school administrator." Yeah, but I'm not so sure. I don't want most of that <laughs> brought into our system. Uh, the reason we have our system is because we don't like what goes on in the other system. <laughs> and uh, now, now there are marvelous exceptions to it. So uh, I, had, I had one public school teacher say to me, uh, I teach in public school so I can afford to send my kids to Catholic school. <laughs> and, and, she, and she said, and once I've got my 20 years in, I will be moving into the Catholic system because that's where my heart really is all along. Uh, so, as I say, there are exceptions to it, but we have to be very careful. Uh, and, you know, a basic principle uh, in the business world is personnel is policy. Right. Right. And, uh, oh, yeah. Back to the role of the priest. So uh, minimally a chaplain in the school, but also as a teacher. Uh, not every priest is a teacher by nature. And uh, uh, now I got my start 
uh, I was a college seminarian when I started teaching, ironically, in the very high school that I went to. <laughs> and uh, I was 18 years old teaching kids who had known me as a kid in the school. And, uh, and it was very, very difficult. Uh, discipline, you know, was very problematic. And, and I would scream and holler at the kids and sit down, shut up. And, and, uh, and one day, one of the older sisters on the faculty pulled me to one side and she said, uh, honey, she said, I think uh, you got good potential to be a really good teacher someday. But uh, I said, uh, she said, but never holler, never scream. You're giving them a free show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said, they like this. This is entertainment. I said, sister, I think they hate me. She said, oh, they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said, but don't worry about that. She said, uh, earn their respect. The love will come later. Yeah. And, uh, and she said, and when you want attention, don't yell, whisper. <laughs> mm. That's uh, right. But you, you know, one thing I learned in, in class from teaching, I mean, teaching takes a long time. To, to to really get the craft down, but sometimes standing there and saying nothing. Oh, Silence yeah. is a great way to to mobilize their their attention. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. not, not, not saying it, but you know, uh, you mentioned seminaries, and, and you've said in, in one of the notices about the new program that uh, seminaries don't often bring up the in-school priest at all. Is that correct? No, I mean, it's... Uh... I, I, you know, I go around the country and uh, doing workshops for for priests and and seminarians and uh, but you almost have to beg a seminary rector uh, to t- to get two hours to make a presentation and and yet almost in, in most dioceses the newly ordained are assigned to larger parishes which need an assistant. And in most of those instances, there's a school. And uh, now the young priests, unlike the older generation, are not only all more, much more conservative, but they're also very, very pro-school. A lot of the older generation of priests uh, you know, were badly burnt by the craziness that went on in the late 60s and 70s, and they really don't want much to do with schools. Um, but these young fellows want that. But they, they've had no preparation whatsoever. And, uh, and so they feel inadequate. Uh, and even if they went to Catholic school themselves, they may not have gone in a period where, or in a diocese, wherever, where there were still many priests teaching. So they don't have uh, a role model or a memory even to, uh, to bring up. And so that's why a program like this is, is very, very important. And uh, but anywhere I've I've spoken uh, to seminarians, uh, they're I mean, unbelievably enthusiastic about it. They 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 know the importance of this, and uh, we're still getting you know seventy to eighty percent of our young priests are the graduates of Catholic schools. Let, let me ask uh, you this: uh, in your in, in this new organization, or, or when you do your seminars going around the country. Priests with high school students, and do you do you talk to the priests about, hey, you gotta know a lot about the youth culture that these kids live in. You gotta know about the kind of social media. 
You've got to know the peer pressure stuff. How much do they have to acquaint themselves with this whole other teen world that envelops kids today like never before with all the, all the media? But Mark, let's remember, these seminarians are either teenagers or in their 20s themselves. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, but, right. You know, They've been there. They, they know. You know, if you're talking about a second career priest or something like that, that's a different story. But, you know, these are fellows generally between the ages of, you know, 17 and 30. And, uh, and, and perhaps themselves also have, you know, siblings who are younger than themselves. So it's not that they're unaware of these things. The, the one thing that I think uh, we have to be careful about is trying to be one of the gang. Right. Because um, they are young. And, yeah. and it's harder to take the elder role or, you know, but, but look, so it is, they mean, they need to be frank about, uh, this, there is something else and something better oh, yeah. than, than, than the phone all night. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and also, um, uh, I spent a, a week at the end of September, uh, in the diocese of Charlotte, uh, where their schools are booming and they really, um, I spent time at Belmont Abbey College, which is a, a wonderful, strong Catholic college. It is. Belmont and, Abbey's and, great. Yeah. And they have a college seminary, which just started a few years ago and it's packed. Uh, but it's interesting. Their seminarians go to Belmont Abbey College for their classes and the fellows are in their cassocks every day at the college. And, uh, and it was interesting just to you know, a bird's eye view of things, watching a seminarian at a lunch table with you know, four or five of his peers, lay, lay students, and the interaction. Uh, and, it, and it's very edifying to see. And, but it's also a great witness. The lay students are seeing, hey, that guy is my age. <laughs> right? and, and he's already prepared to commit his life to Christ and the church. Uh, so, I mean, it's all kinds of wonderful things happen. Uh, you know, Catholicism, as you well know, is an incarnational religion, which means we take the signs and symbols seriously. And if we use the signs and symbols well, uh, it's attractive. It's attractive to people. And, uh, and one of the ridiculous mistakes made in the 60s was presuming that if you got rid of all that stuff, <laughs> uh, it was, you know, you'd be able to relate to young people better and so forth. Completely false. I mean, let, 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 let me give you a very specific situation. What should a priest in a school, Catholic school, do if he sees a teacher purveying uh, materials that or ideas that are contrary to Catholic doctrine? Well, uh, what any teacher in the system ought to do is, you know, report it to authorities. Well, first of all, I'd confront the teacher and say, you know, what the heck are you doing? Uh, I'll give you a, as you, I think you also know, our Catholic Education Foundation has a, uh, a Catholic identity assessment instrument, which is used in Catholic grade schools and high schools. Um, and, uh, and again, if people are interested in that, go to our website, catholiceducation.foundation. And you'll see the identity assessment. But when we do this identity assessment, we insist that every adult employed on the campus 
completes this assessment instrument. So administrators, faculty, support staff. Uh, why? Because our theory, which is the church's, is every adult there is a religion teacher, whether or not he's teaching a class in religion, uh, by the witness of their lives, hopefully, they are uh, reflecting the values of Christ and the church. But in, in an instant, a, a priest told me when he was a seminarian, he was working at an all-boys high school, and the most popular man on campus was the 70-year-old janitor. And, and this then seminarian said, yeah, it made a lot of sense, he said, because um, a lot of these kids don't have a grandfather or, you know, they're, they're living a thousand miles away from grandparents or whatever. And, you know, the old gent filled that, that function. He said, well, when I became a priest, I ended up at the same school and I'm hearing confessions and find out that the old codger was popular because in the boys' locker room after school, he was giving them condoms. Oh, brother. So the breakdown in Catholic identity in the school, it wasn't the administration. It wasn't the faculty. It was a 70-year-old, all right? Uh, and that's why I say, you know, everybody has to be on page. And, uh, and when that's not there, uh, things start to fall apart. Should, should priests be involved in a lot of the personnel decisions? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, sometimes I'll go to a, a high school website and, uh, and notice that the, the priest chaplain is not listed as part of the administrative team. Uh, well, what is he then? Uh, and uh, in, the, uh, in the Diocese of, of Charlotte, again, they have a very, very well-oiled machine there. But the chaplain of the high school is the one who makes the final decision on religion teachers in the school. Hmm. Okay. Uh, which obviously makes an awful lot of sense, you yeah, know? Yeah. People would say, you know, who would have thunk, <laughs> you know? The, uh, the, the group, the new group is called the Priestly Society of Christ Priest and Teacher. Father sure. Stravinskis, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.